Coming up on Man Enough. I realize the implication to the question, when's the last time you felt man enough with the very fact that that's been a journey, possibly, being a trans man? Looking at who I've been outside of this, this, this one struggle that took up a lot of my time and attention, naturally, right? And it's like, all right, I put all this energy and effort into just being, becoming a man and being seen as a man. Mm-hmm. And then once I got there in my mid-20s, it was like, well, what kind of man am I? <laughs> and then it's like, well, what kind of man do I want to be? Being man enough, what does that mean? It's really manly to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil, so maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me a benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better. Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system. This is Man Enough. You are listening to Man Enough. It is me, Christopher Rivas. I am guest hosting. I'm very grateful. I got Liz to my left. I got Jamie to my right. How y'all doing? So good. Man, you got to be here all the time and do that. You crushed it. But you are sitting in for Justin Baldoni. It's an honor. And of course, we love him when he's here. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And we needed someone with equally gray hair. That was our first. We did. Um, That's right. But also, you've been a, an amazing guest on the Man Up podcast, and we immediately knew that you would be a- amazing in the host chair. That's a nice fit. I can hear the brown, claps now. Brown enough. The snaps, right. the snaps and the claps. You got room in this place for me to sleep tonight? <laughs> no crash? We didn't Play even Pac-Man? prank him yet. We didn't thank him. Prank him. Oh, prank. prank. Oh, it doesn't really work if you oh, say no. it out loud. Oh, no, damn it. No, we, we, had a, we would have pranked you, really. But uh, yeah. but anyways, you've been inc- incredible, and we're happy you're, that you're here. Yes, man. you're doing I can't believe you're still here. We, we, we can be annoying. <laughs> we can be annoying. So, yeah, uh, welcome everybody to this. We are here to have discussions that um, hopefully are fruitful, real to the point that they can be uncomfortable. Like, let's be uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. Let's get real. I don't want to just have conversations, right, that are just like surface stuff. Let's talk real stuff. And that's what we try to do and unpack what it means to um, be human, unpack what masculinity even really means. Do we need to dissect that? I think we do. Mm-hmm. And we got a special guest with us today. Fabulous guest. Who do we got, Liz? We have Brian Michael Smith, who is a trans actor and activist. He's known for his roles in popular TV shows such as 911 Lone Star and Queen Sugar. And excitingly, he's going to blush because this is a big deal. Okay. Okay. He was recently named one of people's sexiest men alive. I mean, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> when, when did that happen? A couple months ago. What does that feel like? I still don't believe it, but it's cool. It's very cool. How does it happen when you make it to people's sexiest men alive? Like, what is the phone call? There is no <laughs> phone call. It just you, you just open the magazine and you're in Well, it? no, no. Like, they just say, hey, we're going to do this uh, shoot. And I'm like, oh, cool. What's it, what's it about? And I'm like, yeah, for... Uh, the firefighters uh, spread in the People's magazines, like Sexiest Man Alive. I'm like, I'm one of the people? I'm one of the sexy people? And like, So me and my, uh, my buddy Julian from the show, we were the, the representatives for our show in this, uh, wow. in this spread. We were just like, oh. <laughs> so wow. I'm, st- I'm still flabbergasted because I grew up like reading People magazine, like picking it off the shelves. And, like, that was my feeling of like being connected mm-hmm. with these people. You know, that as a latchkey kid, I spent a lot of time watching TV and movies. So I got to learn about them in People magazine. So as soon as I get in the grocery store, I'd run and like grab it and, you know, learn about it. So to be in the magazine was like mm. one thing. But then to be in the sexiest men in the, ma- I was like, what? Wow. wow. Never, never imagined it. So like every day. I have I, so many questions about that. Yeah. <laughs> so but before we do, we should ask the first question that we always do. Can you tell us when the last time that you didn't feel man enough? On the way over here, to be honest, uh, I'm thinking, like, I really want to have these conversations. I feel honored to be, you know, a guest in a space where masculinity and being a man is being discussed. But then I just always carry around this feeling of I'm not man enough because it was denied to me for so long in the early parts of, of my, like, youth. Like, I was, you know, it was almost extracted from me whenever... I would express it or whenever it would show up. So, you know, I'd have this really 
destabilizing experience. People going, oh, my God, you're such a boy. Oh, you're such a boy. You're such a tomboy. But whenever I would express it, like, that's too much. And we, you got to get that out of you. And we got to pull that away. So I've spent, you know, my adult life, a lot of my youth, like, trying to hold on to my own sense of ownership of being man enough. But then feeling like at any point someone's going to come and try to take it again. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, okay, I'm, I've been invited into a space, which has happened before, where I'm on the boys' football team, I'm in the space, but just knowing at some point someone mm. is going to try to moment. yeah, take it and, and say no or disqualify it, you know what I mean, or mm. invalidate it. So every day I feel like I have to do it, and especially when I'm in spaces where I'm like feeling good and feeling comfortable, it's like, I have to overcome that within myself before I face it. Because then once I overcome it for myself and I go, actually, I am. I have, you know, I am. I, I am. I know it. I am. And then on top of that, I had the lived experience, you know. It, and it took a while for me to embrace that. I went from like, well, maybe I'm, I'm just masculine. Okay, maybe I'm just male. Or maybe I'm just like a boy. And then, you know, I just turned 40 uh, on uh, January 29th. And finally, I feel like I'm an adult <laughs> like, like for real, like, you know, like I'm an adult, I'm a man, you know, like I'm a, that's, that's where I am as a, as a male identified person. Like I'm an adult man and feeling my relationship to that now from this vantage point is different. Cause like I have 20 years of being an adult, you know, as, as a man, mm. I feel like I can own it, but mm. I still feel myself bumping up against like, but are you though? But are you though? Well, that's why when I actually, when I was asking the question, mm. I realized the implication to the question is so different, maybe, possibly, to then if I ask Chris, mm -hmm. because of the fact, of course, you're a man, but of the very thing that you had just said, mm -hmm. and being a trans man, that has a different thing. Yes. When's the last time you felt man enough with the very fact that that's been a journey? Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you sharing that. You're listening to the Man Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. I got a question yeah. uh, about representation. Mm -hmm. How does uh, playing a sort of a firefighter, something so masculine, I think mm. we associate that with, with the manliest of men, uh, how does that reach men? How do, you know, you being in that part, how does that reach men? What have you heard? Yeah, I think um, what, I've, what I've heard is from people saying this, like, they can actually see themselves like, you know, feeling like I would, I could never do this or I can never be man enough. And like, when I see that you're, that you're able to do it, it like, it makes me feel like I being exactly who I am can be what I have dreamed of being. Mm. That's kind of been like the overall, our like, like message. Because mm. a, lot of, a lot of people think like, oh, I have to change. I have to be some different. I have to be some version to like be. It's like, no, you can be who you are as a black firefighter, as a female firefighter, mm -hmm. as a trans firefighter. Mm -hmm. Like you can just show up right. and do the thing. Mm. Do you get to play roles that are just simply a man or have you, uh, versus a, a character that's a trans man? Yeah, I have. Mm -hmm. So the, you don't rub, rub up against that? I feel like right now because I'm in this show playing this character, like that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing. Like I played you know, mostly cis characters before I played a uh, trans character on um, – Queen Sugar, and then I because I wanted to like I, uh, I was like I, I didn't see enough like trans masculine stories, especially that weren't wrapped around the early part of transition or like people seeking acceptance. Oh, good. So you weren't typecast in that. You, no, you, you. It was a choice for you. To it was that. a choice. I Man, like I, I have the privilege of it being a choice just because of how I present. Like most uh, people, unless I tell them I'm trans, they're like they would they wouldn't right, know. Right, so right, that's right. a privilege on my part. Um, and then like I wanted to do that, you know, and I wanted because I'm like I haven't seen these are the stories I haven't seen. I feel the stories that. You know, there's a universality to my experience that I think people don't yeah. know. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So I want to I want to put that out there. So I played a trans character on uh, Queen Sugar, and I played one on right. the L Word, and I'm playing one now. And the door is open to play. Basically, like what I'm interested in now is like uh, different ways of coming to self acceptance. So characters that are working, you know, on self acceptance through circumstances that are thrown on them. Mm. You know, because I feel like that's what we're all doing. Beautiful. So my language and 
is I'm, I'm still learning how to properly have this conversation, to hold space for those who are grappling with gender and, and have real questions. Um, aside from the people, I don't mean the people that are like shaming and judging and that, but have real questions, you know, and learning how to do it and what's okay to ask and what's not okay to ask. And like, for instance, you were named sexiest man on people. Mm -hmm. And does that come with anything? Like, uh, are you getting backlash from people who are saying, well, blah, 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 because of your experience? I mean, for me personally, and it could because I have like safe filters on my like yeah. my social media stuff like that. Mm. Not too much mm. coming to me directly, right? But I'm aware You're that aware. that it that it exists, right? Like I've seen you know like some comments like if you go to like the people post about it, you know, there's comments underneath. They're like, well, what you know, is this really a man or you know any anybody can say anything these days? And I don't necessarily take it personally because they don't know me, and I, I have a very deep awareness of like you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're talking at me and you're talking about yourself. It's weird, like I can see that, like they're, because you don't know me, whatever you're putting out on these comments, it's you, that's, mm -hmm. that's a reflection from you and whatever it is that you're grappling with, you know what yeah. I mean? Which is sad because that's coming from a place of hurt or pain or where something was taken from you. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it exists, but hasn't at this point in my life had the impact of taking something away from me the way that it did before sure. I had the time in my own skin and my own self and the journey that I had to take to like have this ownership of myself. I think that's something that's unique to the trans experience is that a lot of the investigation that I feel like you're doing now that a lot of the men who tune into the show are doing now, like I've had to do that very early on and I've had to do it for a very long time and I've and, and like I really had to come down to what do I know about myself? Like, I am the expert on myself. Mm, that makes sense. You know, now, that's, that. that's work, right? Like, that's, that's work that bodies of culture have to do. That's work that trans people have. That's work that anyone who's under oppression has to do, mm -hmm. which is sometimes exhausting and not fair that we have to do the work and be the teachers. Mm -hmm. I also loved you mentioned bringing up, I call them the haters. I think about it a lot. I work a lot in race. I get a lot of comments from, hey, you know, haters. Haters hate. They mm -hmm. do a good job at it. It doesn't slide off my back as easy, even though I can tell myself the stories. Like, they just, they don't know. They don't get it. They're mm -hmm. not, you know. Uh... So what is the relationship between who's worth having the conversation with and, and, and how do you ignore? I love that you use a tangible thing like, I have these filters. I didn't even know these filters exist. I made a mental note that I was like, there's filters I can put on? Like, let me go look that up. What's your relationship to who deserves the conversation, the work, the teaching, who doesn't? How you deal with the haters? <laughs> mm -hmm. Some people are speaking out in a way that makes it clear to me that they're seeking something. They actually want to know. They just don't have the language or understanding of themselves. And I don't know how I can gauge it, but sometimes I can just gauge. It's like you don't understand something about yourself or you don't understand something about being a whole human. Mm. And so I'm very open to engaging in that. But if I know what is being said is coming from a closed place, like you're, you're like entrenched in this and you're like reinforcing your own sense of belief, and it's, I'm not engaging in that because that's not for me and you're, you're, it's not, it's not going to penetrate. And then sometimes I'm aware that there are other people around who are open, who need to hear something. So even though I'm talking at the person who's closed off, I'm speaking for the other people who are listening who didn't have the courage to ask. So then I'll engage because I know you're not going to change your mind. I know that this is something that's close to you, but there's some other people around here who mm. want to know the same thing. And I, I feel like it's okay, you know? And what's mm. an example of, and I think what you're saying is so crucial and important and applies to so many people who are listening, no matter what their identity is. Um, it's really hard not to take things personally. <laughs> 
<laughs> when our brain is literally <laughs> programmed to take it personally and see any kind of disapproval as a threat, mm. right? As as a an attack and a break of connection. What you said so beautifully, right? That the more you knew yourself, the more you became not immune, but certainly more protected when it comes to these kinds of projections. But how do you know that it's a projection? And what are the tangible ways that you... Um, yeah, we're able to get to this place or or sometimes does it kind of crawl back and how do you kind of push that monster away? I think when I was younger, I feel like with everybody, when you're younger, your sense of identity like kind of goes through like phases, right? Yeah. Like when you're a child and like your family is what kind of defines your sense of identity and who you are in your family. Oh, you're the baby. You're the cryder. You're the bad one. You're the right. big sister. You're the this. So everything you know about yourself is kind of really formed around who you are in your family. And then you go to school and then it's, you start to form your identity around like who you hang out with and what you're into and what we are into together. And we all wear the same. This Everybody's got Nikes. Everybody gets this. And there's this sort of externalized version. And so some of us kind of live in there a little bit longer than I think is, is healthy. And we're like, I need to see how you see me to understand who I am. Mm. Right. And so the projections work because you don't see that as projection. Like that, that's really me. That's a reflection. That's really who I am. So if you think that I'm selfish, I'm, I'm selfish, mm -hmm. and you internalize it. If you think that I'm cool, then I'm cool, mm -hmm. and you internalize it. But then, as you start to move away from these people that you grew up with, when you move out of that school environment and away from those relationships of circumstance, like the circumstances change. You graduate out of school, then we get lost when we go mm -hmm. to like college when we leave our like towns because like who who am I? Yeah. I have nobody to reflect back. On, on who I am, and I'm looking for external people to tell me who I am. So s some people, and I feel like myself, I realize like I, it's unreliable. Mm, right. And that's, I think, what helped me, what, how transition, like the darkest points of my transition that helped me get to that point really early on was that the people that, I, even the people that I love are unreliable reflections of me because they have a stake in their identity, in their idea of who I am, and they're not going to let that go. Right. They, they can't. So it's like, even though, you know, my mom loves me, loves me so much, but she doesn't really know me and she doesn't want to know all of me right now because she has this idea of me mm -hmm. that she's holding on to. And like, we're bu bumping up against that. And so I can't ask her. I can't trust her interpretation of who I am wow. because she isn't willing to see beyond what I know isn't true. Right. right? Same thing with... Uh, with my, my pastor, like, I, you know, I, when I was 12, I, I got born again, and I was, like, you know, trying to have my own relationship with God, and, like, I felt like my pastor was going to, like, get, it was like y even you have a stake. Mm. Everybody has a stake in, in the idea of me. Mm. So it's, like, it's really mm. up to me. Wow. And I'm, like, I'm the expert. So it's, like, the only one who knows me is, like, it's me and God, and you can't speak for God because mm. you have an idea. You know what I mean? Mm. And so because I had that, like, drilled down moment where it's, like, everybody else this interpretation of me is that it's an interpretation. Mm. Okay. Mm. I really need to understand, like, who I am. And then wow. I, it made it easy for me to stand on who I said I was in a way that mm. was different from when I was a child and when I was a teenager. And I had to fight for it. And it yeah. was still difficult um, because I intrinsically knew something and I wasn't afraid to hold on to that knowledge anymore to like, you know, to advocate for that knowledge, right? So like, I'm a, I'm a guy, I know I'm a guy, and I'm going to say it now in a way that I'm, I'm okay with saying. Mm. Whereas when I was younger, it's like, people look at me different or they treat me different if I say that I'm a boy because they're going to be like, well, why do you wear your hair like this? And why is this mm. that? And so it's like, I can't say it, but I know it. And I was like, I know it, and I'm going to say it. And I have to try to work with the incongruence around how my body is presenting as opposed to like who I am. Mm. And so like once that got into alignment, there was like a sense of peace, yeah. you know what I mean? Because again, it, now it's like who I am can't be extracted from me. This part of who I am can't be like pulled out. It can't be denied. And then even if it is, it's like, that's on you. Like it's, I realized how external it was. That's on you. Yeah. It's right. you trying to tell me who I am. It's you trying to tell me who I'm not. It's you are uncomfortable right. with your idea of me because hmm. you, you don't know. And so I think that's what helped me is like just really getting, uh, integrated with with who I am you know and then to recognize that everybody on the outside is 
on the outside. Mm-hmm. So even now to this day, as I'm dealing with, you know, it may be like a higher volume of, you know, people who are trying to project things on me. It's like, it's really clear that I, it's yeah. a projection. Yeah. Because they, they don't, literally don't they, know you. you don't, I mean, you don't it's know another me. level, right? Right. So I also kind of, love this gesture you did, which was like the hands together, mm-hmm. which I often do. Like, this is who I am. This is who I want to become. And the goal is to meet, mm-hmm. to do the work to meet. And I love this. I just want to put it on blast. It's like, Deep knowing of self. I always say everything is a story, one you've been made to believe or chosen to believe, knowing the difference is profound. And everyone and their mom is going to try and tell us what we're worth, what we're capable of. But only we know, like only you knew your worth Mm -hmm. and and, and who you were and your truth and your potential. And, And, you know, amen to the ability to stay true to that. I mean, that's I think that's been the struggle of like adulthood for me is because I shift. We all shift, like things change. And then you have to face who you've been. So like, you know, adulthood for me has been like looking at who I've been outside of this 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 one struggle that took a lot of my time and attention naturally, right? And it's like, all right, I put all this energy and effort into just being becoming a man and being seen as a man. Mm-hmm. And then once I got there in my mid-20s, it was like, well, what kind of man am I? <laughs> And then it's like, well, what kind of man do I want to be? And, oh, crap. Like, there's that. Then I, I found there was a distance between hmm. who I want to be and then, like, well, you let's know. let's talk about that. Right, what yeah. was that distance? I guess it, I think it's the struggle for me has been, like, being honest with myself and then having a sense of integrity. Because I got one of my survival mechanisms became people-pleasing. Right. Right? So... I would say I liked something that I don't necessarily like. Or I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying yes to everything. I'm saying yes to everyone. I'm making myself available to everyone. And I'm, and it's like, well, what do I really like? What do I really want? Mm-hmm. And I'm like literally lying to myself about what I want. Like I know, you know, I've known I wanted to be an actor my whole life. I, you know, went to school and, and college. And then I started bumping up against resistance because usually everything in my life has like come easy to me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm thinking, like, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to have, like, success. But once I started meeting challenges, I thought that meant that I was doing something wrong and I had a lot of shame around that. So it's like having um, an exceptional, like, intellect as a child, whenever I didn't know something, I would be, like, ashamed of that. And I would hide. I'm like, hey, I'm going to know. And I'm gonna, I'll figure it out. But I'll, I know. I know. Even if I didn't. And I wouldn't seek the kind of help that I needed. And I wouldn't be direct about what I, what I was trying to do or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, I knew I wanted to act finding it difficult getting parts in the play because, like, I don't know these musicals and I don't know musical theater world. Like, I'm a TV, film kind of person in the way that they're doing. I was like, I don't know about this. So I'm thinking, like, maybe I'm not really an an actor. And then even having a professor, like, in my acting school, you know, say when we brought in uh, projects that we could work and we were able to bring in scenes, and I brought in the scene between two guys, and he's like, you can't do this. Like, you know, everybody's going to see you as a a black woman. Why would you bring in the scene between, like, two men? I'm like, oh, maybe you're right. So maybe I, this isn't for me. So like mm. invalidating this core truth in myself mm-hmm. and like believing it and then like quietly operating with that in the background, you know, like saying, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to learn how to do video and film production. I'm going to make my own stuff. <laughs> but then not, not really centering myself or like mm-hmm. putting myself in parts or really going to look for auditions, you know, like staying back in Michigan longer than I needed to, even though the, the pull to come out to New York or to LA was like really there, right? And then getting to New York and then doing all this acting adjacent work. I'm teaching acting to mm-hmm. to the young people, and I'm uh, doing improv like in my work, but I'm not really going mm-hmm. for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, and thinking like, oh, I'm not enough. Like I only have middle school credits on my resume. I can't go to this fancy conservatory. Mm-hmm. So just like this denying of myself and ignoring what I really wanted. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so like. Find the distance between it. Like I had this moment where I'm like teaching these young people, don't let anybody get in the way right. of what you want to do. Like you got to go for your dreams yeah. and don't right, let. Right. And I'm like, oh my god, I've done, done that. Do <laughs> I'm not doing it. And <laughs> that's what people pleasing is. Mm-hmm. It, you've really put it so well. It's basically invalidating yourself. Mm-hmm. Even in the term people pleasing, right? It's like so focused on how you're treating other people, and it mm-hmm. is about right, like putting them first or, you know, the things that you name. But it is like at its core, an invalidation of 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 yourself. And the more you people please, the less you know yourself, mm-hmm. and then the less you realize you're doing it mm-hmm. because you have no core to come back to. Right. 
And what does people pleasing look like for for men? I'm curious because I think we're we talk a lot about it with women. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like wh- what were the ways that you saw it pop up? If there are men who are listening who might not even realize that they're people pleasers, I think like going along with things that like. I didn't necessarily want to do or not taking the time to really think about something before I had an answer about it. Like, just kind of sticking. I'm just going with the flow. I'm an easygoing guy. Like, no problem. I'm an easygoing dude. Like, let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's spend this money. Let's, you know, buy this beer. I don't have the money, you know. It's like, and not being okay with that. Like, I'm broke and not being okay with that, you know. Like, like competing and going after things. Like, I don't want that. But I'm going after it as if that is something I truly desire because I'm thinking that's what I'm supposed to Mm. desire. I'm going on a date. With so I have no interest right. in this person, but everybody's like, ah, oh, she's cute. She's like, okay, sure, I'll go. I, like, I don't. Why did, yeah. why did I do that? Or you know, mm. being with somebody's like, you know, I don't want to sleep with you, but everybody thinks mm. we're hitting it off. So maybe I should follow this. It's like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, like what am I? You know, yeah. so doing things or like being beholden to ideas of what I even think people. Nobody's actually expressed like do mm-hmm. this, but like think this is. I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So maybe yeah. I should do it. So people pleasing even in that. And then I realized, oh man, I'm people pleasing people who are not even in my life anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? <gasps> wow. Like it was. It was really. I'm holding myself to standards to people who do not matter oh, anymore. Oh wow. But it's like I'm still carrying this idea around from something that was told to me when I was 18, mm-hmm. when I was 22, and it's like I'm still doing it. And it's like. I don't even like For this person. Who? Yeah. For who? They're not even watching. <laughs> and I didn't even like you, but I'm like, I guess this is how I got to do it, you know? It's yeah. Like, oh my God. I relate so hard. <laughs> it's like so crazy. Yeah. And it's like, I just, then I, I yeah. realized like I'm carrying around the values and the voices of people who are not in my life anymore. Yeah. You know? And people pleasing also for for men doesn't just look like, and, and for everybody, but I think particularly for, for men, because I, I feel like we don't necessarily talk about it as much. Yes, it's with like people in your life and family members and girlfriends and partners, but it's also with like masculinity standards. Mm-hmm. And there's a, you know, pretty interesting study that, that came out of NYU that showed that like a lot, you know, we know that a lot of women will go along with sexual contact or intimacy that they're not necessarily comfortable with. Men do it too. And there was a study on like younger men who were, you know, in their sexual prime, right? Like men in their 20s, always up for it. Mm. And I'm, you know, if you're listening, I'm putting quotation marks, obviously. But that whole like expectation that a man is always ready to have sex. And and so a lot of men will actually deny them themselves <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, to, to say no to sex. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is um, a form of people pleasing that we don't really talk about, like how it impacts you like sexually mm-hmm. and intimately um, that you end up not again, not necessarily being in a situation where you're being assaulted, but where you're like, I didn't want to do that. And I went along with it. And I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. I think it goes into so many other realms, yes. I guess. You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. I have some uh, questions or observations. We talk a lot about masculinity and femininity, right? I don't attribute masculine qualities to be male assigned, mm-hmm. nor feminine qualities to be female assigned. Rather, these are attributes that we should all, all humans should, you know, try to um, learn how to use for the benefit of yourself and for all people. So what have you learned or what do you believe about masculine qualities that are really good for humanity, for us as men that we should hold on to. And the other ones that maybe you have learned actually has, are, has not served you, are not serving other men. And ones that maybe you had a perspective of that maybe I was deprived of because I just was expected to be that, but you weren't expected to be that. You had to have a different walk through that. I think what makes my experience unique is that my manhood was like acquired. It wasn't inherited, Mm. right? So sometimes when you're just given something, you don't have to examine, you know it's always there. So you don't have to look at it. It's like, it's just all, it's just this thing. And you don't really have to deal with your relationship with it until you want to, if you ever do. Where mine was like, I have it, I'm being denied access to it. it. You know, it's something that, you know, I'm not supposed to be necessarily inheriting, but it's like I know it's a part of me and I'm I'm, I'm interested in it. And let me really, what am I interested in? Because I, I would get asked often, like, why do you want to be a boy? And it's like, I don't know. I don't, it's not, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, what is it about being, uh, I think my mom proposed me, what is it about being a boy that's like so interesting to you? And I was like, I, 
I don't know. I think it's just to be, first I just want to be myself. Mm-hmm. And then I want to be able to express myself the way that I want to. And I want to be able to express myself uh, and, and, and enjoy parts of myself. So I think that's how I started to define like what masculinity was to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I like to be able to like create and think for myself in the way that I've noticed that men in society are able to do, right? Where there's not a an expectation for you to just receive and just take direction and just and do things. Like men get to determine who they are. They get to go out into the world and they get to hunt and they get to go seek and they get to do this where women are supposed to like take what is given to them and then, you know, make something amazing out of it. And I'm like, well, I mean, and this is like just the, the rudimentary like understanding sure. that I was like, like grasping at from what was being presented to me like as a, as a young person. So I was like, I want to be able to go out into the world and, and do what I want to do. And, and uh, I want, I like being physically strong. I like being to do things with my hands. I like being, you know, uh, able to like show my sense of value and worth through physical exertion in a way that it seems to be denied like women in our society where it seems like wrong for girls to be tough and to be, you know, physically uh, capable, right? And I'm like, as you look at it, as I look at it as an adult looking back, it's like that's ridiculous. But like as a young person growing up in the eighties and the nineties, like this is what's being like forced, like down your throat. I feel like as I got older, I'm like, this is just what people want to do. This is just what all people want to do. As I spent more time with people, it's like people just want to do what they want to do and not get pushed back, and they want to be able to express themselves the way they want to express themselves. There's a freedom in it that I think I was denying myself because it's like I thought you had to be one way or the other. It's like we're all of the things, and so. Well, this is where, this. I'm so glad you just shared some of this. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off, yeah. but but this is a topic and a conversation that I've had with many men, mm-hmm. not just men, women as well. So I'm raising kids. I've got four kids. Two are seven and six. I've got other friends. I've got young kids. One of my cousins, for instance, has a child who um, born a girl, and who identifies as being a boy, and is is finding that path. Mm. When a boy has these feminine qualities and um, does the things that are, air quote, stereotypically attributed to girls, they're called names. Oh, you're not a boy or you're a this or you're a that. Or you have a girl who has all these other attributes, more, maybe more masculine attributes, and you're a tomboy and you're this and you're that and you're that. So then is it possible that kids feel themselves on an island Rather than if a parent or society said to a young boy who is six years old, who has all these feminine qualities, you're such a beautiful boy. I love that you have these qualities. Do you feel if parents, if society embraced us as we are and didn't, and, and it was okay to be whatever sex you were and you were exactly that, do you think that maybe you would have found yourself in a different place had you been fully embraced for who you were at eight? Some of this has to do with kind of knowing the difference between sex, mm-hmm. gender identity, mm-hmm. and gender expression, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, sex, I feel like it's talking about, like, biological, body, how your body manifests, your relationship to that, right? Okay. Your gender identity is how you identify yourself, right? So, like, when you close your eyes and you picture yourself, what do you see? And I feel like that's your identity. Mm-hmm. And then your expression is... How do you express that gender identity? Mm-hmm. So some people, even, you know, their, their biology is, is one way. Their body sh- shows up this way. Maybe it's a way that, you know, we assign as, as male, right? And when they, you know, close their eyes and they picture themselves, they see themselves as a male. But what they like to express mm. on the outside is the feminine p- qualities of themselves. They still see them, their body and they still identify as male, but they really like to express the, the feminine aspects of who they are. Right. Or you can have a different you know, calibration where it's like your sex is assigned female. But when you close your eyes and you picture yourself and how you feel about yourself is male. And so then you express your masculinity. If people had or like parents or society would have room for the different calibrations, then, yeah, I think we'd be we'd be much better off. If, because then you could just be who you are and like you could figure it out as you go along. It's not always necessarily said. I feel like maybe some things might be kind of locked in a little early on, but then some things you kind of, as you go through life and you experience things, you're like, well, I, I really like to express the feminine side of myself. And now I personally choose to express more of the masculine side of myself because that's just what I decided I like to do as I experienced more things, mm-hmm. right? 
so we we play with these calibrations as we get affected by and we get experience with the life outside of you know the womb or that like close family unit and yeah the problem is when people try to force their calibration on somebody else i'm calibrated this way you should be calibrated this way. My sex is set like this. My identity is set like this. Mm -hmm. My expression is set like this. Mm -hmm. And you came from me, so that's what you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And also, I think that society is going to be mean to you. So right. to protect you from being from them being mean to you, I'm going to make sure you are set like this, mm -hmm. which is like even more damaging because like you're supposed to be the one that accepts me as as, as how I am, right. and like protect me. Sure. Like that's your job to protect me, not sure. you know, and then protect me not by changing me, but mm -hmm. by helping the other people make room for or see that, hey, this is something else. And like, I think the problem is, again, where a society assigns value right. on different calibrations and configurations, right? So if we live in a society where the masculine has the value, that masculine is assigned the higher value, then yeah, the parents are like, I just think you're gonna be better off in life if we turn this down and turn this up. I, I promise it'll be worth it in the end. Trust me, I know, because I struggled and I'm wounded and I don't want you wounded like me, as opposed to dealing with the thing that caused the wound, right? Mm -hmm. And then they end up causing more of a wound. So I, 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 you know what I mean? Absolutely, and I appreciate you answering oh, that yeah. or, or giving some context to that. Because th these are conversations that are had with love mm -hmm. and, and then oftentimes like, well, I don't, I don't know how to, not just me, mm -hmm. right? But some people who are like trying to figure it out. Some of our listeners who are trying to figure it out. And I want us to figure it out. Yeah, and then I, the thing too is like you might not necessarily have to figure it out. You could just know that some people are different and they're having a different experience. And if you, whether you don't understand it, it's okay. You don't have to understand it. They're still here <laughs> and they're still having, they're still humans. They still have feelings. So even if you don't necessarily understand it, you can just understand that that is our person and they're having experience. And I'm noticing that when this happens, that causes pain. I don't want you to have pain. So I'm going to help you to not have pain. Mm -hmm. Tell me what I can do if you want me to even be involved in that. You know? Mm -hmm. But it's like, there's some, I think sometimes understanding can help. And then sometimes you can even just take a macro level of going, you're different. And there you are. And that's awesome. You know? You're you. Yeah. You're Not you. you're different. You're you. You're you. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine because we were talking about like artificial intelligence. She was like, you know, how can a thing experience like pain or whatever? And I was like, well, you could be in pain right now. I don't know that. I don't feel it. But you're experiencing it. But just because I'm not experiencing doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, mm -hmm. right? So like your experience with your, with your gender and like what's going on inside of you, that's not my experience. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So I'm going to accept that even if I don't feel it or even if I'm t my world, my experience is different, it doesn't mean that that's not true for you. You know, like we live in this big country, right? And it could be snowing, blizzarding in, in Colorado and sunny in Florida, right? And the people in Colorado are like, help, we need help. It's snowing. And the people are like, it's not snowing here. I don't know your problem is, right? But the same things are true, right? They, they both exist. The people, it's not sunny. It's, it's snowing buckets. So like there's this this gap that if I'm not experiencing, it must not be real. You know what I mean? It's, something's wrong with you, and like nobody in my family is calibrated like that. So, you, right? You know what I mean? You're just making that up. And it's like, what are you talking about? We had a previous guest on here define masculinity as rich. Uh, well, Richard Reeves defined mm -hmm. it as uh, com being comfortable in your own skin, which I loved, but also was like. Why is that masculinity? Why is that not feminine? Why is that not like who doesn't want to be comfortable in their own mm -hmm. skin? Who doesn't want their calibrations honored? Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to walk into a room, safe space, and know that like this is a space where my calibrations are honored, loved, respected? Mm -hmm. Forget loved, respected. My can be my own calibrations here, mm -hmm. you know. And I, and I really love that. Like it, it's I don't have a child, but. What a beautiful goal for parenting to say, I'm going to honor my child's calibrations. Mm -hmm. I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow this music to come out however it comes out. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that's, that's my job, you know, to allow this person to be as comfortable in their skin as I can, as I can help, mm -hmm. as I can assist on this journey. Yeah. You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. Earlier you talked about you know, at some point you said, okay, now I, I fought this fight and, and the dark days of the transition happened. And then what type of man do I want to be? Mm -hmm. What type of man do you want to be? 
integrated, you know? Like, I think that's something I'm working towards now as I kind of get to this period of my life. I feel like I've, I spent a lot of my 20s and 30s, like, trying to acquire, you know, like, going after this and trying to uh, reach things that, I, that were impossible for me as I was growing up. And now, like, a lot of the things that I wanted to do, I've been able to, like, manifest, like, against a lot of opposition, right? And so I'm like, well, what is my purpose like I went through all this stuff what, what did I go through this for and it's like you know well you're you went through all this stuff and these are your talents like you're a storyteller you um understand things you 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 relate to people really well you know you're an actor and I feel like I went through all this stuff so I could share that with other people and it's like I'm gonna have a hard time sharing things with people if I'm not in alignment with myself you know so that's something that I think it, acting has really taught me is like um like I did this uh, this training at at the Esper Studio. It's like Meisner based acting, and it's basically like tr- responding truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And it sounds like easy, but it's like no, <laughs> you have to be truthful in your responses about things. And like there's a there was a long period of time where I wasn't necessarily being truthful about how I felt about things to myself, right? So something has like pissed me off, but it's like I'm not going to feel this anger or like something has really hurt me and upset me. I'm not allowing myself to feel it. And I'm like, oh, I really want something and it's not happening. I'm not letting myself feel the disappointment of it like not happening, right? And so like you can't act if that's going on, right? So like if you if I've been acting with this sort of like container here when this scene where I'm supposed to be this character and I'm supposed to be like mad at the, the one who comes in and I'm like, I can't really fully truthfully respond because I have this like security system like like locked up and so it's like I'm ha- struggling in the scene it's like why am I struggling in the scene it's because you don't allow yourself to be honest and like access the fullness of like your emotions I was really afraid of my emotions for a long time I realized through like my process of, of acting mm-hmm. right I'm like and because I was happening in my work it's like this is happening in your life like you, if you can't do it in the safe space of this scene, then you're certainly not doing it like at home. So like having to like go through therapy to unpack like, well, why do I like sit on my anger? Why am I afraid to, you know, experience fully? Why do I intellectualize every difficult emotion? You know, it's, it's not just because I'm an Aquarius, you know, it's like there's something, <laughs> it's something going on Therapists here. Therapists love when we say that. Yes, right. <laughs> like it's not just because I'm a Pisces moon. Yeah, it's like, my, no. it's that, you know, my, you my house, right? It's like it's trauma, buddy. Wow. You know? I mean, but part of it is, you grow up in a society where and and a, and a family and again it's not to demonize your family but 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 to your point you know they they were denying your your reality mm-hmm. right which mm-hmm. uh was your you know uh, who you felt who 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 you were and so in many ways it, it's like you were kind of gaslit <laughs> like for a lot of your life mm-hmm. and what gaslighting does um is make you not trust yourself. Right. And it makes you question mm-hmm. your own your own judgment. Mm-hmm. And again, coming back to because I, I know that I'm going through the same kind of stuff where like I want to be truthful in everything that I do. And I realized that like for a lot of my life, it not it I didn't even know that I was lying. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I didn't even know that I was uncomfortable. Yes. I didn't even know that I didn't want it, right? Mm-hmm. Like all the things you listed. And so yeah, how do you get to know yourself? Where do you start? Okay, I think it's like a, a mix. For me, it was a mix of like mindfulness meditation, right? Where I could like sit still and just kind of like pay attention to what was going on because I was so busy yes. seeking. And like, okay, if I if I I'm broke, so if I was able to get enough money, then I could. I could be cool, you know, I could be calm and I could figure out what's going on next. Like I'm I'm so I'm seeking and I'm seeking and I'm seeking. And it's like I'm just busy all the time. But then like when I'm still, what is going on? And so it's like I'm still and there's all these thoughts and there's all these thoughts. And if I could recognize that these are just thoughts, I don't have to go with every thought. Every these thoughts are causing emotions in me that I'm like locking up all the time. Mm. And you know, like because I could be sitting in my house, yeah. nothing is happening, and I'm having a strong <laughs> yes. emotion. So I'm like, what is it's my I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay, what am I thinking that's causing the things? Yeah. Can I look at my thoughts? So meditation taught me, like, you can look at it. And now you can look at it. And you don't have to analyze it. You can just, that's what's going on mm-hmm. up there. And then you can take a look at, like, how is that making you feel? 
It's like, oh, it's making me feel like this. Okay, so those are your feelings. All right, cool. And then, oh, also, look, there's some physical sensations. You're in pain a lot. Did you know that, Brian? You are walking around. You have back issues. You're in pain a lot, and you're exhausted all the time. You, you, you haven't paying attention to that. Oh, okay. And that's also causing feelings. And then the feelings are making you try to, like, think of solutions. So yeah. your brain is going like this. So they're all interconnected. So that, that, that helped out for sure. When I was doing the acting work, bumping up against these things, like the, the scene is calling for me to, you know, be angry and like, it's not coming out. Let's go to therapy to unpack what's coming up. Mm. Like acting class is not <laughs> therapy. <laughs> Let's not make that your, your therapy session. Go see somebody and talk to like somebody on an individual level. Let's unpack this in a safe space. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I started going to therapy as well to sort of start yeah. to navigate the things that were coming up because of mm-hmm. class and then journaling about what's coming up. And, you know, I kept a journal for a long time and I didn't realize that was part of my process, but like it was mm-hmm. to like just sort of deal with what's going on. So therapy, meditation, journaling, my work as an artist was sort of helped me bring all these truths to the beginning. And then I would have to say, and I didn't recognize it until later on, but my relationship with my wife has also really helped me really? like come to understand like who I am and like see these areas in which I need to develop because it's she she taught me how to like receive love i didn't realize mm-hmm. that i didn't know how to receive love wow. that like one of my wow. systems of like defense yes. and like safety mechanisms was like everything everybody who loves me is going to ask me to give up something important mm-hmm. and i don't want to and i feel mm-hmm. so much shame about not wanting to give up this thing that clearly is so important to them right. and they just you know and like I don't trust it. I don't trust, I don't trust it, you know? So even though it's like, I mean, she's one of the most loving people like I've ever met, which is probably why like we end up together because I needed somebody who's just like forking over love. And it's like, there was a moment where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's, it's like, what are you going to ask me for? What are you asking me for? You know, what's the cost of this? And so like there was, we, we were fighting each other on an in, in, invisible like level. Mm-hmm. Where she's going like let me in, let me in. And I was like, you better get the hell out of here, mm-hmm. you know. And, was, and I don't want that. And I'm like, well, don't come back, you know. So like that's that mm-hmm. energetic. That's what, what was going on. Where she's like, I'm, 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 you know, make room for me. And like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to, yeah. because you're gonna ask something of me. You're wow. gonna ask me to give up mm-hmm. something. And like, you know, this battle between her desire as you know my spouse to be you know number one in my life. And I was like, no one can ever be number one in my life. Like I just don't ask me for that. I'm going to have to volunteer that, but you can never ask me for that. Mm-hmm. And like having to navigate it, yeah. having to deal with that. Well, you, you were, you're saying this to your wife. I wasn't saying it like out loud to her, but like that's what was happening inside yeah. of me as, as I realized, you know, the, cause we, we, uh, we met. How long have you been married, by the way? Oh, our anniversary's coming up on like two, three days. What's that? Eight years. Eight years, Yeah, right. Yeah, we've been together since uh, December of 2009. Beautiful. And it's like the longest relationship I ever had. I met when I was like 27 and, you know, we, we've been married. And so we've just been kind of like navigating this out. And like I'm talking about it like on a macro level mm-hmm. as I'm investigating and figured out. But like this is what I've discovered is, has been going on. Is she your number one now? In some ways, yes. In some ways, yes. And it's like it comes from me. As opposed, like, like I'm choosing it as opposed to like the expectation is like when you get married, yeah. you, you know, you put the wife and I'm like, mm. you can't ask that of me right. because it's, it's been taken. It's been right. like people have forced that in, onto me. Yeah. Like I have a lot of um, resistance to, to being forced or like expectations or doing things mm-hmm. because of an expectation because I have been asked. Yeah. You know, like well, connection for you was betrayal. It it it, it necessary. It needed you to betray yourself in yeah. order to connect. Yeah, and then and I and I thought that was true, and then I would try it as the people please that right. I am. I was like, well, this is going to work, and if I give up, and I was like, I hate this. I hate mm-hmm. it. I hate it. And I hate it. I hate it. I love you, but I hate this. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I I, I got to reconcile this. I have no idea how. You know, yeah. and so the therapy, the acting work. And then, like our work, our relationship work, I think it sort of helped me mm-hmm. see like that's that's what's going on. And then, like her, giving like like because she like truly loves me and like is unconditional about it. Like knowing that, let me reveal that. And then, like yes. still being honest about her experience on the receiving end of it, because right. clearly that doesn't feel good. And you know, her having to set her boundaries on like, hey, this is what I need from you, and this is what we're gonna tolerate. 
and like we're gonna work through this together and find like solutions that work. Mm -hmm. But it's like knowing that this is what's going on. I mean, how are we gonna work through this? Yeah, a lot of what we've been talking about is your experience as a man, as a trans man. Mm -hmm. And I also want to be respectful and mindful of, you know, when I walk into a room as a black man, I'm proud of being a black man. But I don't want every question to be, well, from the perspective of a black man, mm. just ask me as a man. Yeah. And I imagine, too, you are very proud of who you are and you're a trans man. It, you, you put it, it's, it's public and that's where you are. But mm. also, I imagine, I don't want it to be where I'm in any way having a disclaimer, right? Mm. You're a man, mm. you're married. You have a life, and I don't know if that's if that resonates for you in that regard, as it does for me. Of like, it's, I'm not I'm not always being asked as a black man. I'm yeah. just a man, yeah. and yet I'm very proud of being a black man. Yeah, right? well, I, no, because I appreciate like that recognition. Um, I'm not, that's not my experience here right now, and I feel like we're speaking from a place of like my unique point of view. Yes, you know what I mean. Like my experiences really shaped my point of view, and like on on what being a man is, what masculinity is. So like I, it makes sense. Okay, it, you know, like if we were like. You know, just doing an interview out. about like a movie, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, why are we asking about this? We're not, but like, you know. Okay, so the, con the context <laughs> the makes context sense. The context makes sense. So yeah. with that, mm -hmm. and, and also just wanting to honor that, um, I have questions just like, as we are trying to unpack and make the world better, and there are some things about masculinity that just don't work. Yeah. Or all masculinity works, but the way that we use masculinity yes. doesn't always work. You know, you've got friends, you've got boys, and you hang out, and you do things, and you, you play sports, and all of this stuff. Tell me what your relationship is with other men and conversations that you have that can help move this pendulum so there's there's more equality for all people. And what we do as men to to get out of the way, to be more in the way, to you know move to do what we have to do. Mm -hmm. So that my dear sister Liz doesn't have to always remind me how I can be better so that women aren't oppressed. Mm -hmm. Um, what is your experience with that? What do you think about our responsibility in, in that? I guess which specific part of the question I want to answer is what I'm thinking about right now. Like, because you're saying like, you know, in the conversation that I have with the with the guys that I yeah, know. Yeah, just like, well, I'm just, I think that we as men have to have conversations with other men mm -hmm. so that we can be better. So we're not just perpetuating the same narrative and behaviors that have been oppressive towards other people. Yeah, I th uh, and I think it comes to like just from, being mindful, right? And again, like kind of what I, what I talked about earlier, where it's like just because you're having an experience and I'm not experiencing the same thing, it doesn't mean that that's not real. So it's like we have to take into account like what women are saying and saying so clearly in so many different ways all over the place, right? Like it, a lot of the, te the television shows now have like central uh, women characters who are like fleshed out, well-developed. Um, there's women in the writing room. There's women like showrunners. So it's like it's really clear on what women are telling you their experience is and what the problems are and how we are contributing to those problems. And you just have to listen and accept it, right? That this is this is a true experience that's happening. And then really ask yourself, like, how am I playing a part in, in that, right? Like, am I dismissing it? Am I writing it off? Am I, like, laughing it off? Am I, like, do I feel like they're over-exaggerating or it's not that bad or if you really want things to be equal, you got to deal with the equality of like the problems that come with this. Is, are you being defensive about what's being shown to you or are you being like open about it? And then ask yourself like, how am I contributing to that? Because we are contributing to that in, in some way, shape or form. Are we silencing women? Are we talking over women? Are we, you know, that's a woman show I ain't watching it. Like, what are, we, what are you doing, you know, as a, as, a, as a man in this world? Are you actively denying what's being presented to you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of men are. Or it's like, you know, I got my own problems. I ain't got time to be dealing with what's going on with women. I'm not, I'm not, they're not, they're not engaging with it. So it's like, I think try to at least once a day engage with what's happening to oppressed women. You know? That's really important to be reflecting all the time about that. Yeah. yeah. Can we you. talk about transitions one second? Mm -hmm. So I think everything, I don't think wherever we've ever arrived, when we die, we'll die, we'll arrive. You know, but like and until even, and even then, we'll still, even then, yeah, we'll still, you know, we'll like still. someone said, you know, that that's when the body begins, right? When mm. it's got the maggots and the creatures, and you know, it's just life. Mm. Transitions are ongoing. Uh, some transitions require more heart and more courage than others, but everything is transitional. For people listening who are inside of transitions, possibly very difficult transitions, what's some advice you have words how do we how do we approach 
difficult transitions? I've come to learn that most of the pain in my life, or like especially when things were the most insufferable, came because I was in denial of something. And that as soon as I stopped denying what was happening, I won't necessarily like ease came, but like I was able to move forward, move through whatever I was facing. You know what I mean? So if you are in a transition and things are changing, try not to resist that things are changing. And then try to, and if you need to, like grieve what you think is you're losing. So if, if something's happening and you're moving in this direction, you don't want to be going in that direction because you're losing something, well, then just say it. I really don't want to lose whatever the heck is, I think is, is here right now as, I, as I'm getting pushed into this new thing. And grieve it. And acknowledge it like, yeah, this sucks. I didn't want this to happen. I didn't think that this was going to be happening. I didn't think me. I didn't think that. And just, and just have that, be honest about that. And then what's next, I think, will reveal itself to you. But the longer you resist the push, the more energy, I think the more suffering you're going to bring on yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let the heat kill you. That's what my, med- <laughs> that's what my meditation teacher says. Yeah. Let the heat kill you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let it take you. Go through the experience, yeah. not around it, not over it. Go mm-hmm. through the transition. And the every, I was in a yoga class, and that guy also said, like, every thing that's good that's going to happen for you, like, change necessitates salt water, tears, Sweat or the sea, it's the true. ocean. Yeah, right? like, yes. it was a very so hot yoga water. class. <laughs> Should we rapid fire? Yeah, let's ask a couple. All right, Brian, when's the last time you cried? Uh, t- a, w- a week ago, I was uh, I started trying um, like uh, micro dosing to like because again, like I find myself very much resisting like like what my emotional experiences yeah. were and like trying to run it through my intellectual thing and like. My friend said, you should try this. And it worked. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Let it all out. Let it out. Mm -hmm. Well, I I just want to tell you personally how much I appreciate you coming on our show and how uh, elegant you are in explaining and sharing something that oftentimes is not because it's messy because we're all learning how to walk through the world with one another. And we have people that are unlearning things that we've been told, Mm -hmm. learning new ways to think. Um, And oftentimes it rubs up against core beliefs Mm -hmm. that then for me to accept this, that means I have to challenge this core belief. But maybe that core belief needs to be readjusted, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciate the, the ability to have these conversations. Not everyone can. You know, I'm a person that can have a conversation about race and I can deal with white people having um, every problem they do with me. Mm Because I get it, because, you know I can have that conversation. But another sister of mine is like, it's got no space for it, and mm-hmm. she has every right to not have space for it. Everybody has a different capacity of what they're able to just continually talk about. Mm-hmm. But for those who are able and have the grace and compassion and mercy um, to help the world get to a better place, I'm really grateful for. And thank you for this. Right, and for helping us be better humans. Um, so, with that, we like to finish our podcast with a particular question. Uh, how, how about you ask it, Chris? What's our final question? What does it mean to be man enough? Well, that's a good question. I think to be man enough means to be brave enough to look inward, to see who you are, to offer love to what you find, and then to share that with the world. Thank you for sharing your love with us. You're welcome. Thank y'all for having me. I really, really appreciate this. It's so sweet. Thank you so much. Let's go ride our motorcycles. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) He motorcycled here. We didn't mention that. I rolled in. (laughs) Our first guest uh, arriving on a motorcycle, I believe. (laughs) Probably is, indeed.
All right. Well, if you uh, like what you've been listening to and want to follow us more, you can follow us at Man Enough such and such on Instagram and blah, blah, blah. You can go to the manenough.com slash podcast. You can listen to us. Just say it. Manenough.com slash podcast. People know how to find people nowadays. We always like spoon food things. Follow us at manenough.com. Come on now. You can find Man Enough. Google it. All right. Google Google me. Just Google me. Uh, and 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 join us for more conversations. And um, until next time, um, I'm Jamie Heath. I'm Liz Plague. Christopher Rivas. I'm Brian Michael Smith. Yeah. Brian Michael Smith. <laughs> and this is Man Enough. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter and Gamble, in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Saufeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer. Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing. And Susie Landers O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.